الحمد للہ وقفا وسلام اللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم من یتیر رسول فقد عطا اللہ ممن تولا فما ارسلناک علیہم حفیظا سبحان ربک رب العزت اما اسفون وسلام علی المرسلین والحمد للہ رب العالمین اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد ومبارك وسلم first point was niyyah second point was dhikr third point was remaining in wudu fourth point was always, <coughs> always remembering to make use of the masnoon duas the next point Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran al-Karim man yuti'ir rasul let whomsoever obey Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqad ata Allah that indeed he, such a person has obeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what does that mean so you can understand this our mashayikh have explained by means of an example that when you pray salah in jama'ah when you pray in congregation so there's one person who leads the prayer that person is called the imam and then everybody else who is praying behind the imam the followers they are known as muqtadi and the job of the muqtadi is to follow the imam when the imam goes into ruku they should go into ruku when the imam goes into sajda they should make sajda if the imam had made a mistake in prayer make sajda to sahu the extra prostrations of forgetfulness the muqtadi even though he didn't make a many mistake in their prayer he has to make sajda to sahu whatever the imam does the muqtadi if he follows him the salah or the prayer of the muqtadi will be accepted and if the muqtadi does not follow the imam the prayer of the muqtadi will not be accepted so our mashayikh explained that exactly in the same way our entire life is like the namaz and sayyidna rasulullah sallallahu is the imam of our life and we are the muqtadi of him so what does it mean that every single thing sayyidna rasulullah sallallahu did that is called his sunnah we simply have to follow that and the meaning of the ayah faqad ata allah means that if we followed the prophet sallallahu in fact then we are actually following allah subhanahu Now many people think that deen of Islam is about the just namaz, tilawat, tasbih, dhikr, etc. And yes, ibadah is in the masjid and the musalla, no doubt. But ibadah is not confined to that. Actually, anything and everything that we do according to the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam, if we do it with that niyyah and that state of dhikr, then all of that will be ibadah. That's why the muhaddithin have preserved If we walk the way the Prophet walked, that's ibadah If we smile the way he smiled, that's ibadah If we try to talk the way he talked, that's ibadah If we are gentle, kind and forgiving with that niyyah in that state of dhikr Then we are also doing ibadah Anything and everything that we do, that we pattern ourselves according to the sunnah Will be ibadah Whether it's minor things such as the way we sleep or the way we dress or the way we bathe or the way we eat or whether it is more profound things like the way we act, the way we interact, the way we relate, the way we interrelate. Anything that we do that is according to the sunnah will be like an act of ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned another ayah of Qur'an. That whomsoever obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
and obey Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Two types of obedience. Then that person, Fakad Faz, Fakad Faz of Fozan that indeed that person has succeeded the tremendous success, they have attained the greatest triumph. They have gotten a Fawz, a Kabir, an Azim in this world. And this Sunnah is so incredible that Imam al-Rabbani Majadad al-Fithani Shaykh Ahmad Sirhindi wrote in his Maktubat that the value of the Sunnah is so priceless that if a person was to do some type of Nafal Ibadah all night long, if they were to do some Nafal Ibadah all night long on the one hand, and then there's another person who sleeps with the Niyyah of Sunnah Qailula after Zuhr for 20 minutes on the other hand, because this sleeping was done with the niyyah and the tashbih of the sunnah, the following and resembling the Prophet ﷺ, that act of sleeping with niyyah of sunnah is even greater than the nafil ibadah all night long. Because that is the virtue of the sunnah over nafil. So that means that the sunnah is an incredible thing. Now in the day and age that you and me are living in, there's a very special hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ for us. What is that Sayyidina Rasulullah said? مَن تَمَسَّكَ بِسُنَّةِ in the fasadi ummati فَلَهُ أَجْرُ مِئَةِ شَهِيد That whomsoever holds steadfast tamasuk, holds steadfast to my sunnah, to a sunnah of mine in the fasadi ummah, at a time when my ummah has fallen into fasad, into corruption, sedition, into sin. So tamasuk means you will have to hold fast. Why? Because people will try to dislodge you from it. People will try to discourage you from it. People will try to discredit it. But you hold steadfast to that sunnah. Whether it is an outward sunnah or an inner sunnah. Whether it is a private sunnah or a public sunnah. You do tamasuk, you hold fast to it. So Sayyidina Rasulullah at such a time when the ummah has fallen into sin and corruption. So such a person will have ajru mi'ati shaheed. They will have the reward on the day of judgment of 100 martyrs. Allahu Akbar Kabira. That shows you again the value of the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah. So if we live in a day and age where the Sunnah has become strange, ajnabi, foreign to people, people find this Sunnah to be foreign. And it's happened in my own recent experience in Pakistan. So although I moved here in 1999, but let's say when I started, mm, with the, let's say, participating in public life from 2005 till now, that's just eight years. It just become 2013. So till I'll say eight years. In eight years I can tell you a vast difference I've perceived in this society. You may not be able to perceive that difference. How much closer this society and how much deeper in facade it is now than it was eight years ago. And how foreign outer sunnah or even inner sunnah is now than it was compared to eight years ago. So we are rapidly moving further and further in that decline. And so that means that we have been, we have this opportunity, chance to get this extra special reward of getting the reward of 100 martyrs. So that's one barakah following the sunnah. Another barakah following the sunnah is our Mashaikh mentioned the story. Okay, let's put not story, but our Mashaikh explained, let's say this is for Salikin, who are doing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
who are trying to learn how to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who are trying to live a life. This is a word in Quran, Dhaqirin. And those male believers and female believers who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot. So one of the things that's going to help a person to do that is following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Many times the reason why people aren't able to progress in their thicker is that because they're not progressing in their sunnah. So that person who doesn't follow the sunnah will be stuck in first gear. Now how fast and how far can you drive in the first gear? Hmm? How fast and how far can you drive in the first gear? No matter how much you want to, you may be very sincere, you may purchase the best car, you may really want to go to Islamabad, you may have everything else. But if you don't have the sunnah, you are stuck in first gear. But that person who has ittibai sunnah, the barakat of following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah is it enables a person to reach fifth gear in their deen. Now there may be other things that prevent them. They may follow the sunnah but do sin. They may still end up in first gear, right? But without the sunnah, they can never get past first gear. With the sunnah and as long as there are no sins and other problems, they can enter into fifth gear. So it means that we say that sunnah is a Huh? Game breaker, deal changer. Okay, the game changer, deal breaker. Hmm? If you follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah you will be able to go into fourth, fifth, sixth gear. And in this path of suluk, in the path of the siddiqeen, the person is to, able to fly and get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the marifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One shaykh said that if you want to know how close you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you want to know how close you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, examine your life and see how close your life is to the life of the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> if you want to know how close you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, examine your own life and see how close you are to the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu If you are closer and closer and closer in general and in detail in the specifics and everything, then it means you're even closer to Sayyidina Rasulullah Another barakah of the sunnah is that each and every sunnah is an ocean. Each and every sunnah is a bottomless, endless ocean that brings rahmah, mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fadl and karam, generous grace and bounty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is where Mashaikh, even what outwardly, rationally may appear to look at minor quote-unquote sunnahs, they used to do great ihtimam, they used to be very regular and particular even about such sunnahs. So for example, one hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah once Imam Rabbani Nabtali asked one of his students to get something from the market, and the student brought four of those things. So let's say, for example, get us some pens, and they bring back four pens. So he told them that, why did you bring four? What type of salik are you? So he didn't understand. <laughs> then why was this question being asked? Then he told them the hadith that, Inna Allaha witrun wa yuhibbul witr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is odd in number. Odd actually, in English we mean by odd here, one, three, five, seven. Odd is opposed to even. Because Allah ta'ala is one. Allahu ahad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. So the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means he's odd in number. But you're hibbul with her and he loves things that are odd in number. So he said you should have brought either three pens or five pens. Hmm. Again, remember the niyyah, the dhikr. 
So imagine a person even doing something such a simple act as buying a few pens. Instead of getting four, they get three. They say, because why? Because it's an odd number. Why? Because yuhibbul wither, this will make me mahboob to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So even in the act of buying pens, they felt the mahboobi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even in such a simple thing like that, they felt beloved to Allah So they want three bananas, not four. They want seven apples, not eight. All of this, just this is another way I can become the beloved of Allah subhanahu So imagine if they were so careful about following such a sunnah, then imagine the major sunnahs, the batin sunnah, the ahwal and kifiyat and adab of Sayyidina Rasulullah And this was the nature of the Sahaba Ikram. Sahaba Ikram used to follow the sunnah so closely that in many incidents, for example, one of the authors mentioned that once a foreign delegation came to meet the Prophet and he was sitting with his Sahaba and they couldn't tell. <laughs> they couldn't tell. So they had to say, Man minkum Muhammada that which one of you is the Prophet This is also clear proof that the, yes, inwardly we have to also emulate the Prophet but clearly there was also outward emulation because the foreigner who is non-Muslim cannot perceive the button. The non-Muslim cannot perceive the batin, the only thing they can see is the zahir. So if they had to ask this question, that which one of you is the Prophet it means that they were replicas and photocopies of Sayyidina Rasulullah Allah And then, when Sayyidina Rasulullah and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq two of them, when they migrated from Makkah Makarma to Madinah Manawara, and there were some Sahaba from Madinah who had met the Prophet but there were some who people who had accepted Imam, and until this point, technically they would be called Tabin, because the Sahaba, those early Madani people who accepted Islam, got others from the Aus and Khazraj to accept Islam, but these new people had not yet seen the Prophet So they were standing, waiting for Sayyidina to greet him. And when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq came and said, they didn't know who was who. So some of the newer ones, they went to Sayyidina Abu Bakr and they started shaking his hand. And he had to say that he's the Prophet <laughs> Ya Allah, SubhanAllah. I mean Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was the ditto copy of Sayyidina Rasulullah This is the proof of the button. The foreigners coming was a proof that the Zahir was the same. And the Mu'mineen of Medina who had yet to see the Prophet thinking Sayyidina Abu Bakr was the Prophet, they were Mu'mineen, they could see the Batin. Yes, Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Ittaku firasatul mu'min fa'innuhu yandru binurillah That you should be wary of the spiritual insight of the believer because indeed he sees by the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these new Mu'mineen of Medina, they were looking at the Batin and even they who were looking at the Batin thought Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq when it was Sayyidina Rasulullah means the Imam of the Siddiqeen, Sayyidina Siddiq Akbar was the perfect copy of Sayyidina Rasulullah So both incidents make it clear that there is a Zahir Sunnah and a Batan Sunnah. Then later after the Prophet passed away, the Sahaba were so steadfast on that Sunnah, so steadfast on that Sunnah. Once in the Sahaba Quran they went to Iran, Faris, 
And <coughs> they were sitting once and taking their meals and some of the elites and royals, you can say, of the Persian Empire happened to also be there and were witnessing this and observing this. So Sayyidina Hudayfa while he was eating, some morsel dropped and he picked it up from the Dastakhan and he ate it. So again, some of the new Persian believers, they told him that, oh, you shouldn't do this because those elites are watching. Huh? Uh-huh. You shouldn't do something according to the sunnah because the elites, the elites are watching and we, this is the, we have to do da'wah on them. So we shouldn't do something that doesn't already appeal to them. So their niyat was sincere, they were new believers and they wanted their, they wanted that their rulers should also accept Islam. They wanted that the royals and the elites should also accept Islam. But Sayyidina Huzaifar what did he say? That will I leave the sunnah of my beloved for these fools? <laughs> That's literally what he said. Let me soften it for you a little bit. So should I leave the sunnah of my beloved messenger for these simpletons? Allah <laughs> Akbar. Means also he understood that there is barakah in that sunnah. That there is barakah in that sunnah. Ajeeb Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When Beit al-Muqaddas was Fatah, when the Mu'mineen, they were able to conquer Beit al-Muqaddas, Jerusalem. And they sent a message to Amir Mu'mineen, Khalifa al-Rasul, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab, that he should come. So he came. Now when he was coming to Beit al-Muqaddas, and then he arrived after, it's a fairly long journey from Medina Manawara all to Beit al-Muqaddas, right? At that time, Medina Manawara to Makkah Mukarramah took 16 hours by camel. You can imagine then, if you know a bit of geography, how much further Beit al-Muqaddas is. So when, by the time he arrived there after this journey, he was weary, he was tired, his clothes were showing the effects of the journey, and his mount, I don't remember if it was camel or horse, but the horse was also, or whatever it was, his steed, and mount was also very tired. So those Sahaba Ikram said that when you enter the city, we want you to enter your Amir al-Mu'mineen, and the people of the city are going to see who is the Amir, who is the amir of the Mu'mineen. So Sayyidina you should change your clothes and wear a fresh piece of clothing, and you should change your mount and come on a fresh, alive mount. So Sayyidina he accepted their mashwara because again it was on the cloth. So he changed his clothes and he changed his ride. Then he went and after three steps of his ride, it's written in his sira, after three steps he said stop. And he told his companions, I don't feel that nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anymore. Allahu Akbar After three steps he said, I don't feel that nur from Allah SWT coming anymore. Bring me my own clothing and bring me my own ride. SubhanAllah. Then he went inside. To, then he went to Beit Muqaddis. And then the rabbis and leaders of Beit Muqaddis, some of them accepted Islam. Why? Because they said that we have heard from my rabbis that when the emissary of the last prophet will come to Beit Muqaddis, he will come weary from travel, riding a weary mount with worn out clothes. So actually that was the alamat that they were looking for. If he had shown up right in those new clothes and new mount, they wouldn't have seen the sign that they were looking for. So Sayyidina Umar also he had that insight. Now, so whatever we do according to the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah it will be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are so many actions that we do that have sunnah teachings. We did some of those du'as, there's even sunnah ways of eating, not just the du'as. There's sunnah ways of interacting with people. 
There's sunnah, ways of even relieving oneself, sunnah's ways of meeting friends and family, sunnah, adab of making wudu, etc., etc. So we should learn these sunnahs from our ulama or from reading the books that our ulama have written and then we can be able to pattern our life more and more according to the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. In one sense, you can say that there are two types of sunnah. The first type of sunnah are the outward sunnahs, the zahir sunnahs. Those are the sunnahs that can be seen apparently. These, this type of sunnah is very easy to do. You simply learn it and you copy it. Very easy. However, there's a second type of sunnah which belongs to the heart. Right? And the way of the Siddiqeen, if you remember, was to bring that true heart to that true Allah subhanahu ta'ala. So these are sunnahs that involve the heart, so these are hidden. They're not apparently seen. And they're not always known to everyone. For example, to refrain from inner sin means not to have unlawful lust, not to have jealousy and envy, not to have bulls, ghil, malice, spite and hatred for somebody, not to boast or be prideful and be arrogant, to have ujub and kibr. Sunnah to have humility in the heart, to have haya, it's also something of the heart. All of these things are inner sunnahs. So these type of sunnahs are very difficult to follow. The outward sunnah, very easy to follow. And the inner sunnah, very difficult to follow. The outward sunnah, you just have to hit copy. And the inward sunnah, Allah Akbar. You have to make a lot of effort to follow. So there are many people who act on the outer sunnahs, but they're not able to change their inner self because they're not able to follow the inner sunnahs. And that's why there's a whole class of people out there who precisely this is the way they try to get out of Islam by raising an objection on this. That look and so and so, he follows the sunnah outwardly, but he didn't have this and he didn't have this. And what they're trying to say is he's missing the inward sunnah. Right? Here there's also a joke about that. That once there was a Malvi who was riding his bicycle. Malvi means Daiwala Amadmita. Amadmi, ordinary person but with a beard. He was riding his bicycle and by mistake he ended up crashing into someone. So the person he crashed into said that Mulvi sahab, itni bari dari. So he said that, mene dari ke saath aapko takkar ne maala, mene cycle ne aapko takkar laga. Allah Akbar. You can't blame every single thing I do on the beard. But this is the mizaj. Khair, that is a joke, but there is a riyad. Yes. And you will find even amongst some of us who are musalleen and who are trying to do ibadah and pray namaz or even some who are sadiqeen trying to do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we haven't changed our inner self so outwardly we have the sunnah but we still have arguments with people we still fight with people we still have envy for people we still have unlawful anger we still have unlawful lust we haven't been able to get the inner self has not been changed according to the sunnah so this is why mashayikh teach inner dhikr by doing dhikr of the batin, dhikr of the kalb, the more and more effort we put into our batin, the more and more our batin will become according to the sunnah. And that is a process that is over the passage of time, then more and more dhikr a person makes, Allah Ta'ala will change their heart. That's why Allah Subhanahu said in Quran, Udkurullah dhikran kathira that you should make dhikr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. Because you have to make a lot of dhikr because we need a lot of change. 
We need a lot of things to fix inside our button. This path then of Tazkiyah, of Tasawwuf, of Saluk is simply that path where a person learns how to follow the inner sunnahs. That's another way you can understand it. How can I make my button more like the button of Sayyidina Rasulullah For that I need to be cleansed. So Tasawwuf is from Tazfiyah. Tazfiyatul Qulub, Tazkiyatul Nafs. I need to purify, clean my nafs and purify my heart. I need to do some scrubbing, some deep cleaning. Hmm? And that process of deep cleaning is called this path of Tasawwuf and Suluk. Many names in Arabic. Arabic is a rich language. You can call it Tazkiyah, you can call it Tasfiyah, you can call it Ihsan, you can call it Tasawwuf, you can call it Suluk, you can call it Irfan. There may be many names for it. It's simply this. How can I get the Batin Sunnas? Now there is one step. Now what's the rapt? What's the connection between this? Between outer sunnah and inner sunnah? So some mashaykh said that look, given that following the outward sunnah is easy, right? And following the inner sunnah is difficult. So what does that mean? Easy means within reach and difficult means it appears to be sometimes out of my reach. So easy step for all of our deen is do whatever is within your reach, Allah Ta'ala will bestow upon you what you thought was out of your reach. So if you follow the outward sunnahs with this niyyah, with this intention, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, my real murad and goal is to get the inner sunnahs of Sayyidina Rasulullah I'm following what is within, within my reach, Allah Ta'ala will give tawfiq to us and change our batin and make our batin according to the sunnah. Because the real tazkiyah can only be done by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are just doing things to try to attract Allah ta'ala's fadl upon us. Why? Because Allah ta'ala said in Quran, وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ If it was not for the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it was not for His generous grace and bounty, وَرَحْمَتُهُ And if it wasn't for His rahmah, His mercy upon you, مَا زَكَى مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ abada That no single one of you, mu'mineen, Allah Ta'ala is addressing us in Qur'an, no single one of you would ever be able to do their tazkiyah. Means if we cannot clean the batin ourselves, Allah Subhanahu is going to clean us from these inner impurities. But what's going to attract that fuzzl and rahmah of Allah Subhanahu That is following the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Because the more and more you resemble the beloved, the more and more you attract the gaze of the lover. The more and more here now, beloved means Sayyidina Rasulullah and lover means Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The more and more you resemble the beloved, the more you attract the gaze, means fadl and rahmah of the lover. And it's that gaze and the fadl and rahmah that will change our batan. So we simply have to imitate the beloved. And then we will also get the gaze of the lover, yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what we do, we do what is in our control. Emulate and imitate the outward sunnah. Second, we try to make dhikr on our batin, muraqaba, it's coming in a little bit. We try to adorn our inner self with the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah change my heart and my inner condition according to the sunnah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshallah bless such a servant and slave with his fuzzle and his rahmah.
Then there's another possibility. So first possibility is a person does this and succeeds. First possibility is a person goes through this process and makes so much dhikr and follows so much sunnah that Allah Ta'ala does change their batin and their batin becomes pure. Second possibility was what? That they keep trying, keep struggling, but they're never able to succeed. They try and they struggle. And they're never able to completely cleanse themselves. But even for such a person, Allah Ta'ala can say, they can say to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, judgment, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala spent my life trying and I died trying. Of all I could do was try. I didn't spare any effort. Success, Allah Ta'ala, lay in your hands as you yourself said in Quran. And even the Anbiya said, وَمَا تَوْفِيكِ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ I brought that effort, I brought that attempt, I brought that intention, I lived trying and I died trying. Even our ulama say that if a person brings that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a lifetime of trying and a death upon trying, then Allah ta'ala in the, for the sake of that sincere trying will also send his mercy and fadl on that person. But that tazkiyah won't be in this world. On the day of judgment, Allah ta'ala will send his fadl and rahmah on that person and do tazkiyah of that person there and then so that they're pure enough to go into Jannah. Allah Akbar. Walawla fadlullahi alaykum wa rahmatuhu can also take place on the Day of Judgment. So who will get it then? The person who lived trying and who died trying. And another way I'm trying to explain is that the sunnah is the quality and sincerity and brand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Like in this day that people like a particular brand and if there's something priceless, then they will never get it no-branded. If you want to get a doorknob, maybe you will get that no-brand. But if you're going to buy a car, <laughs> how about I tell you, I'll give you a car, but there's no brand. It's neither Honda, nor Toyota, nor Suzuki, not Mercedes. It's no brand. But some fellow made it in his own garage. <laughs> then you will say, no, the more expensive it is, more certainly I must have a brand. And if it's a very expensive thing, then it must be branded. Of now you want to get Jannah, which is the most priceless thing. Hmm? Most valuable, expensive, priceless thing. So for that, Allah SWT has also put a brand. <laughs> for that, Allah Ta'ala wants a person to bring them branded merchandise on the Day of Judgment. What is that brand? The brand of Sirat al-Mustaqeen. Bring me something that has the brand of the Nabiyeen, or the Siddiqeen, or the Shuhada, or the Salihin. So we follow the Hadith and Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah that is the brand of the Nabiyeen because he's our Nabi. If we follow a particular method of Ijtihad or Fiqh, that is the brand of the Siddiqeen that we follow. That's also accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is a source of hidayah. If we follow a particular method of zikr that is also brand of siddiqeen that is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala wants to see the brand from those four sources of hidayah. Bring me the merchandise of the nabiyeen. Somebody says to you, I only will do the brand of nabiyeen. I do not believe in the brand of the siddiqeen, shuhada and salihin. They're against Quran. 
And many times our shaykh loves to tell the story that there was a young boy, school-age going boy, and whenever he used to go to school, he used to pass the home of an old lady. And almost every time he would pass, the old lady would be so happy to see him, and if she's going to school or coming, she would stop, sometimes hug him, sometimes kiss him, sometimes give him some candy, sometimes some pocket money, sometimes sit with him, talk to him. So one day the boy asked that old, old lady, you're not my relative, I don't know you, you're a stranger to me. Why is it that whenever I pass through this street, you give me so much love, so much food, so much fruits, etc. So then the old lady, she started crying. The old lady, she started crying. So then the boy asked her, that, why are you crying? So the old lady said that I once had a son and he passed away when he was young. And you look like my son. Subhanallah. You look, there's no way the personality is the same. In fact, there's no way the batan is the same. A different person altogether, different personality altogether. But you look like my son, you resemble him so closely that when I see your face, I remember his face. And when I, therefore, I feel like looking at you and kissing you. Allah Akbar. So then when Wali of Allah SWT, when he heard this story, he said that if that's the case with the mothers in this world, that if somebody even resembles their beloved, they have love for them due to the resemblance. And Sayyidina Rasulullah said in Sahih that Allah SWT has more than 70 times the mercy of a mother. So then if somebody resembles the beloved of Allah SWT, then if the mothers of this world love the people who look like their beloved sons, and Allah SWT has more mercy, then the mothers of this world, then on the day of judgment, maybe this may be another barakah on the outward sunnah, that just because of this resemblance outwardly to Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam, a person may be able to attract the love of Allah SWT. There's barakah, this is called barakah. There's barakah and blessings in following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And maybe the two greatest blessings of the sunnah, Two greatest blessings of following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Number one is that every one of us who has recited kalima obviously means we love Allah Allah. We should have really loved Allah And that means that every one of us wants to become the beloved of Allah So it's good to love Allah but it's even better to be loved by Allah SWT. Right? It's good, very good to love Allah SWT. But it's even better, best to be loved by Allah SWT. 
So how does a person make that transition so that fortunate person who becomes the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the beautiful ayah of Quran, Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Kul in kuntum tuhibbun Allah, that say to them, my beloved Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in kuntum tuhibbun Allah, that if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fattabi'uni, that they should do ittiba' of your sunnah. If they follow the sunnah, then what will happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will you accept them as your lovers? Allah ta'ala said in Quran, tell them, فَاتَّبِعُونِي That they should follow your sunnah. If they do that, then tell these lovers of mine, يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you. If you were lovers, you were good, very good. But if you want to become better and best, become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala himself said how to do that in Quran, and that is by following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Yismibkum Allahu wa yaghfirullukum zunubukum, wallahu ghafoorur raheem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you, barakah of sunnah, forgive you for all of your sins, barakah for sunnah, and in case you wanted to be more assured, Wallahu ghafoor rahim, and indeed Allah subhanahu is all forgiving, all merciful. All forgiving of your sins, and all merciful is yuhbibkum. <laughs> all so much mercy that he can even love somebody like you and me. <laughs> That is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa They don't get love of Allah subhanahu wa because we earned it. We can only become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa out of His mercy. Allah said, yes, I am all forgiving, hence I can forgive your sins. And I am all merciful, hence I can love you. Allah What gets that Al-Ghafoor and Al-Rahim Wadizat to send His Maghfirah and Rahmah on us? Following the Sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the second great benefit of following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Because the first wish that every mu'min should have is I want to be the beloved of Allah SWT. Second wish every mu'min has is I want to be in Jannah in the Akhirah. Second wish every mu'min will have is I want to be in Jannah in the Akhirah with Sayyidina Rasulullah That's the second greatest wish that we should have. That also you get from following the sunnah. How Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Man ahamba sunnati, Man ahamba sunnati, Fakad ahambani. Subhanallah. What does it mean? That that person who loves my sunnah, indeed they have loved me. So, two things we learn in this first part of the hadith. To love the Prophet means that you must love his sunnah. To say, I love the Prophet ﷺ, but I don't love his sunnah, not possible. Not possible. Just like Allah in Qur'an had the right to define what it means to love him and be beloved by him, Sayyidina Rasulullah has the right to define in hadith what it means to love him and be beloved by him. So what did he say? Man ahabba sunnati fakad ahabbani. That person who loves my sunnah, indeed they love me. So loving the Prophet ﷺ means to love his sunnah. Second thing we learn from this hadith is it's not just follow the sunnah, we have to love the sunnah. It's not enough to just follow the sunnah, do the sunnah, copy the sunnah. Remember what we said in the very beginning? It's all about feelings. Remember that? Huh? 
that becoming a true mu'min is about feelings. So our feeling for the sunnah must be one of love, of attraction, of pleasure, of a rapture. That's how we should feel about the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Man ahamba sunnati fakan ahambani wa man ahambani kana ma'iya fil jannah. Allahu And that person who loves me will be with me. Subhanallah wa bihamdi subhanallah al-adheem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That person who loves me will be with me fil jannah for all of eternity. This is the greatest blessing of following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Subhanallah. So we should try harder. We should try hard. We should try harder. We should start trying. We should keep trying. We should start trying, keep trying, never stop trying to follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah outwardly, inwardly, whatever is in your reach, more and more and more. Never enough. Never enough. Our own Shaykh used to say when once I, me and a friend of ours, we asked him in America, 1994. When you were young, seeker on the path, what benefited you? So he told us in English, word for word, I had a craze for the sunnah. I remember the exact words. I had a craze. Subhanallah. I had a craze for the sunnah. That's passion. That's feeling. That's man ahabba sunnati. Until you don't have that craze, you don't have that love. Yes, until you get those crazy feelings and longings, you don't call it love. So to have those crazy feelings of longing for Sayyidina Rasulullah I'll tell you something else also. Get romantic with the Prophet You will never need the romance of this world. And if you are not romantic with Sayyidina Rasulullah you will fall into the romance of this world. Man ahamba sunnati fakan ahambani wa man ahambani kana ma'i fil jannah. So first basic point, niya and dhikr. First practical thing, remain in wudu. Second practical thing, make the masnoon du'as. All of these things with feelings, right? And third thing was to follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah lovingly and passionately. Fourth thing, fourth thing, is very important because it's also something that we will have many opportunities in our life to do. And the fourth thing is to have shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fourth thing is to be grateful and thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what Siddiqeen or Mashaikh teach us. 
What does it mean? So first let's understand what is the opportunity of shukr. Many times in life, in life many things happen according to our own wishes, ambitions, desires. What we wanted to happen happens. This is maqam of shukr. This is the opportunity of shukr. We should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah ta'ala is the being who made it happen according to our wishes. So not only should we be happy that it happened according to plan, we have that, but we should also be happy with that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made it happen according to plan. <laughs> we don't have that second step. <laughs> you get so happy that everything went just fine. Shouldn't you also have been so happy with that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made everything go just fine? That's called shukr. That's called shukr. So for example, when you begin the day, you woke up for fajr, Alhamdulillah, be grateful. This was the plan. Plan at night was I'm going to wake up for fajr. This was the plan. If it happens according to plan, to do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then you had planned that, okay, I'm going to have breakfast. You had breakfast. <laughs> Your plan was to have breakfast. And you had breakfast. MashaAllah. So do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then your plan was, I go to work on time. You went to work and there was no accident, no difficulty. You went to class, you got there on time. Do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then your plan was that everything should go fine at work and everything should go fine at class. And everything went fine at work that day and everything went fine in class and you understood the lecture. Make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then your plan was to return home after that. You returned home after that. Make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or if it's the women, their plan was to make breakfast for their children and the children should eat it. They ate it, make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the children should go to school and get there on time. They went to school, got there on time, make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That nothing untoward should happen to the children at school during the day. Nothing happened, make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Plan was that the children should come back to home from school after school. They came back to home after school, make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, if you just count these things up one by one by one, Look how many things in our day happen according to plan. Now let's look at ourselves. How many of those things did be niya and dhikr? Remember? How many things did we consciously, heartfelt, feel the feeling of shukr? Didn't feel it. <laughs> Took it for granted. We went through so many maqamat of shukr without feeling the feeling of shukr. And we did that every single day and we repeated it day after day. So to become amongst the shakirin, to feel from our heart that we are drowning in the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, When tandu ni'matullahi suha, That if you were to ever try to count the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would never be able to count them. However, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَذَلُومٌ kafar, But indeed, each humanity is extremely unjust and ungrateful. Extremely unjust and ungrateful. So which part do we want to be? Do we want to be shakreen or do we want to fall into this ظلوم and kafar? That we are unjust and ungrateful. If you think about it, Allah subhanahu designed our creation to make us always have shukr. Because the way a human being is created is that when we are born, we have nothing. You are born with nothing. No clothing, no sense, no speech, nothing. No ability to even turn over on your side. Baby cannot even burp, needs to be burped. Hmm? has no ability, not animals like that. If you see the way a horse is born, it comes out, it's running. <laughs> it comes out, it's eating. 
Not every creature is born like that. The dolphin, the second is born, it's swimming, it's able to eat fish, it knows everything. <laughs> Forget turning left and right, oh, it can swim for miles. Hmm? But Allah Ta'ala made insan in such a way, why? To make us more grateful to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. He created us in such a way that we are born, that we have nothing, nothing. Nothing. And then now, mashallah, all of us in this age, look what we have. We have home, we have clothing, we have food, we have families. Some of us who are a bit older today, we have children. We have so many things. And when we compare it to that nothing, which was our origin of life, our heart should feel that we have everything. Actually, when we compare it to that nothing that we have, we have everything. Ability to talk, ability to communicate, ability to eat and think and dress. We have everything. Everything. So how much sugar should we make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How much sugar should we make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? But so sad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to say in Quran, وَكَلِيلٌ مِّنْ إِبَادِيَ الشُّكُورِ That so few will they be from my creatures who will be grateful to me. Ibad can mean that, my creatures. But Ibad can also mean so few of my servants will be grateful to me. And Ibad can also mean that so few min Ibadi, so few of my Namadis will be grateful to me. So few of the people who do Ibadah to me will actually be grateful to me. Allah So we should make ourselves more consciously and heartfelt grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then the question arises, and why are we ungrateful? Why is it that we don't make this sugar? So there are two reasons. First reason is, all the reasons are because we're not letting ourselves be guided by the guidance. First reason, Sayyidina Rasulullah explained in the hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah that if you want to look at other people in terms of deen, you should look at those who are better than you. And if you want to look, and this I covered for you last night, right? Then don't look at those who are less than you, look at those who are better than you. Because you will always be motivated and encouraged to do more. That this person has ibadah plus akhlaq, I only have ibadah. Or this person has ibadah plus akhlaq, I only have akhlaq. Or this person has so much ibadah, I only have this much ibadah. This person has so much akhlaq, I only have this much akhlaq. Always indeed look at those who are better than you. Number one, you will feel a desire to get more. And number two, you will never be self-confident in what you have. Always look to those who are ahead of you. But in dunya, you should always look at those who have less than you. Always look at those who have less than you. So if we think Allah has given me a house, this person doesn't have a house. Allah has given me a car, this person only has a motorcycle. Allah Subhanahu has given me children, this person doesn't have children. Allah Subhanahu wa so many bounties and blessings. Allah Subhanahu has given me a job, this person is jobless, right? Allah Subhanahu gave me a job, at least according to my field, this person is employed in a field not even what they wanted, right? So many things to look at. As a, but our mistake is we don't follow this hadith. So what shaitan does is he flips this model. <laughs> In deen, he makes us look at those who are less than us so we get happy. Pat ourselves on the back. Hmm? He shows us in our view, he makes us look in the rear view mirror. <laughs> he makes us look in the rear view mirror of all those people in deen who are behind us so we think we're some type of front runner. <laughs> As opposed to thinking that I'm actually at the back of the pack. And sometimes people, they come, a jeep thing they say. They say that, oh no, you make dua for me. 
I made a sin and I've lost all my kifiyat. So actually, what are they trying to say? Actually, Allah ये <laughs> Anything even I tell you off track, I'm the इतना मुफ्त में मिला है हमें एक कसे भी खर्च ना पड़ा एक कोशिश भी नहीं करनी पड़ी कभी कुछ सोचना भी पड़ता है कि आप लोगों को क्या सुना हम हजार दफा कराचियां हजार बातें आपको सुना सकते हैं बताना है ऐसे लोगों के साथ में जो बताना कलाम आप शुक्र करें बता हम सब को जोड़ कर रखें So first mistake, reason why we don't make shukr, is that we flip the model. But if we were to see those who have less than us, we would do shukr. Our Mishayik told a story that there was once a person who was very poor. He didn't have shoes and he walked to the masjid and it hurt his feet. And after he prayed to Allah subhanahu he made dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and on the way out, he saw a person who was crippled. He didn't even have feet. And then he started crying. He Different perspective. Even the first perspective wasn't wrong. But the second one was better. Sometimes it's not wrong and right. Sometimes the way of Siddiqin brings a person from good to better, from better to best. And that's what we should want. If we're true about our deen, we should want what's best in our deen. Like the true student wants to get the best result they can obtain. The true employee wants to have the best work output they can do. Right? You want your doctor to give you the best care that he can. So why don't we try, and you say that's a true doctor, 
He gives you the best care that he can. He gave you time, he listened to you, right? So why don't we want to be true mu'mineen? Not to settle for good and better, but try to be the best mu'min that we can. But it takes some time, something to happen to shift perspective. SubhanAllah, now he was doing shukr for having feet. Bali, he wasn't doing no shukri, he was making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is example, look at those who have less than dunya than you, you will cry in shukr over what Allah ta'ala has given you. Yes? And mashallah, in present company, you are mashallah, the elites of Pakistan. Every one of you, don't think that whether, even if you live in a house, you are an elite of Pakistan. Even if you have a two-bedroom, ten marlas makes you elite, believe me. Ten marlas aap elite class mein aange. Ye to aapki bevukufi, you think jab tak das kanal nahi mein elite mein aange. Ten marlas, you have entered the privileged of this country. You don't spend enough time. Here in Lahore, we have to tell people to travel. You have your own areas right here. Slums of Karachi, Kachi, Mali of Karachi. So much to do shukr here we can do a whole beyond on sugar. You have to stay on track. So that was the first mistake. First main mistake we made. Second mistake. Second mistake we make is that whenever we get something according to plan, we get some success, we attribute the success to ourselves instead of attributing it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Favorite example our Shaykh likes to give is that when a person goes for an interview, is interviewing for jobs. If they don't get the job, they say, Allah <laughs> means they got a failure, they failed at that job interview. Allah Ta'ala ko manzoor And when they succeed, they get the job. I answered, I did that interview so well, they had no choice but to hire me. I answered them so well and I was so qualified, I was exactly what they were looking for, they had no choice but to hire me. So when they succeed, they attribute it to themselves and when they fail, they attribute it to Allah Taala. So that's when we fail to do shukr. Actually, we should attri- should have been the opposite. We should attribute the failure to our own self and we should attribute all of our successes, achievements, accomplishments to Allah Taala. Allah Taala, I am nothing and you are everything and any type of achievement and accomplishment I was able to get was simply a blessing and karam for you and therefore I am eternally grateful for your eternal blessings. Then the last barakah of having shukr is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran that in shakartum la azeelannukum that if you are grateful for me, if you are grateful to me, khair, ajeebat nakali, or if you are grateful for me, maybe ajeebat, if you are grateful for having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la you will get more and more kurb. Grateful for Iman, you will get Yaqeen. Grateful for one level of Qurb, you will get more Qurb. Hmm? <coughs> this is the in shakartum, that if you are grateful to me, if you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah ta'ala will increase us in those favors. So the Mashaikh used to say that the way that we can preserve our ni'mas is by doing shukr of them. And if we don't do shukr, it means we have left our ni'mas unguarded. <coughs> And maybe even one wali used to say that that person who is not grateful does not do shukr over his ni'mah. It's as if he is presenting that ni'mah back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That take it back from me, I'm not worthy of it. So imagine how much shukr we have to do for all of the bounties and blessings that we have. So here are more details on this we can listen to. 
in when you listen to the recordings online, inshallah. The next thing is to have sabr. So point number five so far. Basic is near. Okay, if you count that, so point number seven is to have sabr. Sabr means opposite. What does it mean that in our life many times things don't go according to plan? In our life many things happen which is not according to our wish and they don't make us happy. Means they make us sad. Maybe even they make us depressed. Could even reach that level. So, or they make us feel the failure. They make us feel like a loser. Sometimes things like that happen in our life. Setbacks, right? So at that time we should have sabr. That is the maqam of sabr. At that time we should have sabr and we should know that whatever is happening is happening by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May not be His wish. He wishes khair for us. But maybe we did something due to which His command had to be issued that we got this affliction. Or maybe He wishes khair for us but for us the khair lies in this trial of sabr. So He had to put us in that trial. Like if we wish some khair for a student, we want them to get a degree, but we have to put them in this trial and sometimes torture of examinations and lectures and pop quizzes and assignments and thesis. That's a trial. For some it can be a torture, but we have to say we have to put you through that if you want to get the success. So we have a khair store for you. It's called your medical degree. We have to put you through a little bit of torture first. <laughs> yes? So sometimes Allah Ta'ala, it is His irada of khair is there, but sometimes that khair is going to come by shaking us up. So we should always remember that. When we remember that, then we should not complain or criticize. We shouldn't ask why. That Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, why did you do this? That's why Sayyidina Rasulullah taught us in hadith to say, Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. And some ulama used to add to this, Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. Sival kufri wal dalal. Except for if we ever come on disbelief or misguidance. <coughs> now, it comes in one of the barakat of sabr. In hadith Sayyidina Rasulullah says that whoever has sabr, number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive that person for their sins. So much so that it comes in. If a person falls sick and they have sabr on their sickness, then being sick will make their sins fall the way the leaves fall from a tree. SubhanAllah. Right? Once Ummul Mu'mineen Sayyidina Aishra was sitting with Sayyidina Rasulullah and then a breeze, wind came in and blew out the candle and Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun You get many chances to do amal on this sunnah courtesy of your government. So Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun The Mu'mineen Sayyidina Aishra asked the Yarsasun, why are you saying this? Now you told us that we should say this when somebody dies. And then Sayyidina told us that actually this is an expression of sabr. And whenever a mu'min experiences even the slightest of discomfort, as slight as the candle being extinguished, if they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment, they will get thawab and ajr from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then if we reflect on our life, we will see that the vast majority of the time things do go according to plan. I gave that whole list, and I wanted to wake up, have breakfast, go to work, come, right? There's relatively few things in life that go not according to plan. So if Allah Ta'ala has given us the opportunity daily 
to do shukr for thousands of things, can't we then do daily sabr on a few things? Hmm? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the opportunity to do shukr for thousands of things. Can't we then do sabr for just a few things? Then next reward for sabr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said something beautiful in the Quran. In the mass, now two greatest rewards for sabr. Number one, both from Quran. Number one, sabiruna ajrahum hisab. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bestow upon the sabirun, the people who are were always on sabr, such a reward, ajrahum hisab, that they could never even imagine. That's a greater reward than shukr. Because shukr was la'azid and that we will increase you in it, but that's within hisab. Because ziyadah is something that is within our hisab. So the reward for sabr is more than shukr, because the reward for sabr is bilghayr hisab. Allah Akbar. So then why not do sabr? And then the second greatest reward for sabr that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Quran al Kareem. Actually, three great rewards. So, second is mentioned in Hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah. It's called the Hadith Qudsi. That means that the Prophet that Allah SWT said, Ana inda munkasratil kulub. That I am in the broken hearts. Means that when a person has such a tough time that they feel that their heart is broken. Right? Something so difficult, something so unfortunate, such a big setback and failure comes that they feel their heart is broken. Allah says, if you want to find me, you can find me in the broken hearts of the mu'mineen. Means that his sabr is right, there is his, his help and his mother, the Nusrat, is right there because he knows best that state of brokenheartedness that we have. And related to this then is then the greatest reward of sabr that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran al-Kareem, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَأَصَّابِرِينَ That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ma'iyya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is with the sabirin. So when you did shukr, لَإِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ You got more of غَيْرُ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Except that first example that I've given, if you're grateful for me. But otherwise, if you're grateful for any of the bounties of this world, you get more of those bounties, but all of those bounties, bounties are غَيْرُ So from shukr, you get more غَيْرُ And from sabr, you get more Allah. From shukr, you get more غَيْرُ And from sabr, you get more Allah. <laughs> So look how much incredible sabr is. Inna Allaha ma'as-sabirin. So been some time since we told you a joke. So one joke our Shaykh shared with us was once there was a Qari who was a beautiful recitation of Qur'an. He had an incredibly beautiful recitation of Qur'an and he was also very muttaki. Allah Ta'ala blesses whomsoever he wills. But no one person is always blessed with everything. So along with this beautiful taqwa and his beautiful kira'ah, he was outwardly very unattractive. Very unappealing to look at, so much so that it would be difficult for people to look at him. You can almost imagine that he was almost disfigured. Allahu Akbar. And then there was a girl who was extremely beautiful to look at. Hmm? Extremely finely figured hmm? and her parents were very muttaki and they liked the Qari because of his taqwa and his kirat so they wanted their daughter to marry him 
They wanted their daughter to marry him. Daughter, mashallah, was also what we call taqiyya, naqiyya. She was also very pious. And she said, okay, no problem. No matter how he looks, because of the beauty of his heart, his taqwa, and because the beauty of his kira'a, his tilawa, I'm also happy to marry him. So they got married. So then the story is that when they were married, one day Qari Sahib, he came home and his wife, she had just come out of the shower and she was standing in front of the mirror and she was combing her beautiful hair, long tresses. And so she saw in the mirror that my husband is coming and he's staring at me. And Qari Sahib was staring at her and mashallah, just smiling. Just smiling. Then his wife turned back and looked at him and she also started smiling. Hmm? His wife turned back and looked at him and she also started smiling. So now they were both smiling at each other. So when she turned back to him and started smiling, she said, Oh my husband, we will both go to Jannah. And he said, How? And she said, that Because you look at me and make sugar and I look at you and make sabr. <laughs> because you look at me and make sugar. And when I look at you, I make sabr. Inshallah, we're both going to Jannah. So she was smiling at her, and she was smiling at him. That's also a sign, that's a whole other topic. Well, the rest should probably do that once in Pakistan. We do our marriage workshop in all these other places. Did twice now in these other countries. Here, actually, Pakistan needs it also. Maybe next time a marriage workshop with them on that. So, also show something about marriage. Shukr and sabr in the marriage. Next point. We have the Siddiqeen to be a true mu'min. Niya, zikr, remain in wudu, musloon du'as, follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, and shukr and sabr. Seven points were done. Point number eight is to sleep after Isha as early as possible. And to rise up for Tahajjud Salah. So yes, some of the points may be a bit more advanced. No problem. To sleep as early as possible after Isha. And to rise up early for Tahajjud Salah. It comes in a hadith in Bukhari. Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam frowned upon people who used to talk. Well, hadith ba'daha. Hadith means here conversation. Talking guftagu. After Isha. So after Isha, it is sunnah to sleep as soon as possible. But now understand this. If there is some reason, it's okay to stay awake. Number one reason, one reason could be your duty. Maybe you have a night shift. You have some work left to do. So that is one of your duties that you have to do. You could stay awake. Second could be uh, that you're a student also. One of your duties is to study. So some nights you may have to study late night. And more, even better example is a talib ill who is studying hadith and tafsir should study deep into the night. That is one of our duties. Third reason, it may be because a person is involved in some khidmat of deen, dawah of deen, gathering of deen, learning of deen. In fact, the very same Babi Imam Bukhari and I mentioned that hadith, that a person can continue teaching and learning deen way after Isha. So there are some things due to which a person may remain awake after Isha. However, if a person isn't doing any of that, then it is sunnah to go to sleep earlier because then it will be easier to get up for tahajjud. As mashallah, what do we do? After Isha, we wake up. And Karachi, mashallah. And I'm a New Yorker. Karachi, you forget New York. You should be the city that never sleeps. I think New York should give up its title. 
एफ्टर इशा इतना फ्रेश होते हैं कि कोई जैसे हमारे सिद्दीकीन सुबह सादिक में फ्रेश होते थे आप लोग इशा के बाद इतने फ्रेश होते Every human being has certain physical needs and limitations, so you should learn that about yourself. If you're a person who you can learn about yourself that I can't, I, if I sleep, I can only get up after five hours, then you must go to sleep, depending if you want to wake up for Fajr, that you must go to sleep at such a time that you get your five hours and you can wake up on time. And every student knows this about himself because you just have to see what they do the night before their 8 a.m. MCAT or US MLE exam. Itna ihtimam se sote On time they sleep Because they know about themselves If at that night their friend says Let's hang out, let's go out They say, what's the matter with you? <laughs> I have my exam tomorrow morning What do you mean let's hang out and let's go out? Let's say somebody tries to call them Phone is on silent, email is off Everything is off Because he knows That if I have to wake up on time And be alert and fresh when I wake up from my exam I need to sleep early But Siddiqin knew the same thing about their tahajjud and salah. If I have to wake up on time and be fresh in my ibadah, maybe initially you may go through the groggy tahajjud phase. <laughs> But they knew that if I want to be fresh in my ibadah, I need to go to sleep early. Same, same thing. Simple thing. Simple thing. If a person has a 7 a.m. flight, just see what time they go to sleep the night before. <laughs> Try to go to them and say, let's hang out late night tonight. So I have a flight tomorrow, I have to get up, I have to go to the airport, right? I'm going to have to be alert, I don't want to be scatterbrained, forget my passport. Ihtimam. So don't think I can't do ihtimam of the hanjan. You can. You are sahib ihtimam. It's just a question of what you choose to do ihtimam about. That's our choice. Hmm? So early to sleep, early to rise, makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. Hmm? Lord, right? So shaitan wants that you should stay up late, go to bed late, so that you can wake up late. Now the hundred salah. So before I even get to this part, right? One other very important thing. That in the past, in the past, it was very easy to sleep early and get up for the hundred One reason was, and again, your government may be helping us in this sense, one reason was was that there was no electricity. Yes, because there was no electricity, people would go to sleep early. If you go to the rural areas of Pakistan, and once I had an opportunity outside Multan, two hours from Multan, I went to an area where there was no electricity. Really, I told people would go to sleep very early, very early. Almost yei sunnati. After they would pray Isha in the masjid, they would go home, wrap up within half hour, one hour, they would be asleep. And they would wake up very early. They were attuned to the natural order. 
which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in Quran, He says, I've made the layl salat, I've made the night a canopy so that you may rest. It is the time for rest. So they were natural that way. So there was no electricity. Second barakah was there was no telephone. There's nobody to talk to at night. <laughs> nobody to talk to. <laughs> now, mashallah, well, there's telephone and there's mobile phone and there's internet. So there's so many activities to do at night, that's why people keep themselves busy at night, instead of sleeping. So a person may be busy, and then, oh sorry, television also. So, and look at Western, what do they call it? They call it prime time entertainment. That's what they call it, what does that mean? That's called the 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. slot. That's called prime time TV, in, at least in America. Right? 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., unko bhi pata hai. Ki khurafat ka prime time kab hota hai. Yes? They've designed the antithesis to be. So entertainment, nighttime entertainment. And then all the places that are open late night. Open till 1 a.m. MashaAllah. Open till 2 a.m. MashaAllah. Open 24 hours, open all night. SubhanAllah. And then your packages, Kurubat Sarirat. SubhanAllah. Tell an orchid package. Huh? Karobat Sarirat. Allah, we are all Karobat Sarirat. Ah, we Allah Taala se baat Sarirat. Or we are Makhluk se baat Sarirat. It's a difference. Difference. So actually, we are living in very dangerous times. In earlier times, no access to non-Muslim at night. Impossible. Impossible. You go to that village in Multan and spend the night with somebody. <laughs> no access, zero access. Now, Allah Akbar, access to millions, millions of non-mahram women. Access to millions of them. Allah Akbar. And all night access to them. What a big fitna. What a big imtihan. Big test. So we are living in an age of nighttime entertainment. So because of that nighttime entertainment, it's very difficult. That's why people, they spend hours on nighttime entertainment. Movie after movie after movie. Phone call after phone call after phone call. Surfing one side after the other after the other. They spend hours and hours past on nighttime entertainment before they realize it's past. That's why Shaykh, he calls internet, he says it's enter into the net. Enter into the net, Jal. Enter into the net of sin and shaitan. Then he calls the worldwide web. A oh, web he calls Jal. And Ajib, I was thinking about this, that you know the spider web. When the mosquito, he calls it the web of shaitan. When the mosquito, the fly, lands on the web, the string makes the slightest movement, the spider is so sensitive it can tell. And immediately comes. Just like that, shaitan is so attuned. When you choose to be involved in that primetime entertainment and you log on, you know who knows when you log on? Shaitan knows when you log on. Yes. The second you log on, you come up on Shaitan's list. <laughs> this person has logged on. Yes. Just like the spider knows when the fly lands on that thread, Shaitan knows when you land on his web. Worldwide web. Then cell phone, our Shaykh calls it health phone. 
He says it's a permit to hell and Ajeeb he says that on the day of judgment how many people will they be who will go to Jahannam because of the sins they did on the cell phone. Talking to non-mahram, SMSing non-mahram and now the cell phone has become even like internet on the cell phone and videos on the cell phone. Now in Pakistan I think the vast majority of affairs begin on the cell phone. It's a new way to have an affair. Not Pakistan, the whole world. The world by This is a problem. So there's so many things that are competing with us. It's a wastage of time. Wastage of time. So the Sunnah Sayyidina Rasulullah taught was that we should divide our night. We should divide our night. Here, so let me go back to the point of Tahajjan. So why one of the best reasons, number one reason, sleep early, you will save yourself from the sins of the night. And if you look at your life, we sin much more in the night than we do in the day. Seriously about this. So if we know that about ourselves, then why not just erase the night? And if you are doing anything productive, normally whatever you did from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., you could have done that from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. <laughs> but you chose to be awake till 11 a.m., so you slept till 9 a.m. So just change it, and you can test this yourself. I will even give you this test. Whatever email and legitimate internet usage you have to do, do it in the morning. I can accept. We have legitimate uses for internet. Don't do it at night. And you want this in yourself, that if you make legitimate internet use from 10 p.m. to midnight and do the same thing from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., you will say yourself that when I'm on the internet from 10 p.m. to midnight, whatever I'm legitimately doing, I keep getting the attraction towards sin. I keep getting the temptation to the surfing. But when I was on the internet from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., I got no temptation for sin. There's barakah in the day. There's barakah doing your work in the day. So whenever online internet work or emails you legitimately need to do, do them in the day. Don't do them in the night. That's simple. I wish somebody could design the internet connection that only works in daylight. Maybe like solar-powered internet. Yes, we need to get technologically advanced and have solar-powered internet and it only works in the day. Believe me, you would be saved from a lot of sins. We, I, you, we all be saved from sin. Night is the time of sin or is the time of ibadah. Day is the time for work. If you can just use that equation, you'll be saved from a lot of sin. Then the hundred salah, so second, so first benefit was that we will be able to save for, save ourselves from sin if we sleep early. Second benefit is that we can wake up for the hundred salah. The hundred salah is very important if we want to become the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Siddiqeen mu'mineen want to become the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The siddiqeen are who? The awliya, the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hundred is the salah of the friends. Why? Because whenever you love, you always want to get some personal time with your beloved. You want some private time with your beloved. You want to be able to sit and communicate your beloved. Khalwa. Ibadah in khalwa, that is the hundred salah. So that is the, the people who love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what they do. They go to sleep early because they wake up early and they spend their private personal time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making salah, reading Quran, making dua. Then our shaykh said a very strange thing. He said, absolutely correct when you hear it. I'll tell you it's absolutely correct. That in, there's never ever been a mu'min in the entire history of Islam 
There has never, ever been a mu'min in the entire history of Islam who became the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without offering tahajjud regularly. It's a lazim on this path. Ab kuch raay muhammad ki bhi, muhammad ki bhi baatein na. Ab ish ke raaste mein kuch ish ke baatein bhi honi chahi na. The ish ke raaste per chalne wale ya ish ke raaste per chalne ki tamanne wale. Tamanna rakhne wale. Hmm? If we want to follow this path of love, then we have to bring some of those feelings of love. We have to bring the acts of love. We have to bring the apparatus of love. And so no one can become the wali of Allah SWT without offering tahajjud regularly. It may not be alone. There may be some people who offer tahajjud even out of adat and out of habit and they also don't have their bottom pure. But there's no way one can become the wali of Allah SWT without offering tahajjud regularly. So it's not necessary that we have to wake, remain awake the whole night. Although in earlier times people used to, as I was saying, divide the night into uh, parts. One part of the night was for sleeping and one part of the night is for ibadah. And earlier times it may have been somebody half the night, all the night, no. All we have to do is make these two parts. The second part can be as small as possible, no problem. In other words, that we should spend at least some time in ibadah. We should spend at least some time in ibadah. So one way to do that is to wake up half an hour before Fajr Allah. Within half an hour, depending on the person, you need about 10, 15, 20, but fine, let's change. Depending on the person, first you need 5, 10, 15 minutes to get up. Thanks to the snooze button. So after you wake up, there is getting up. That will take certain time. Then making wudu will take certain time. Then you want to have enough time in which you can make at least four rakahs, salah, and make dua. So that depends on yourself. How long does it take you to get up? And how long it takes you to make wudu? It can be anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes before adhan, which is the minimum time you need to get up, make wudu, and make your four rakahs, and make dua. Tanar Mashaikh recommended that the first two rakats you should make short because this is also one sunnah of Sayyidina Sun to recite Surah Al-Kafirur and Surah Al-Ahad. And in the next two rakats, as long as you can. As long as you can, maybe based on how much Quran you've memorized. As long as you can, maybe how much feelings you have. As long as you can have the feelings. So the first two rakats, Surah Al-Kafirur and Surah Al-Ahad. The next two rakats, as long as you can, and it may also be a question of time, however much time is left for. Fajr Adhan. But you should make sure to make dua at that time as well and to make istighfar at that time and I return to that in a moment to make istighfar at that time as well. Even if we make just this half an hour or even 20 minutes at this time like we mentioned to you last night that even the person who has a $1 bank account they are also considered the account holder in that bank so even when Allah Ta'ala every night sees the list of his lovers who call upon him in the wee hours of night at the Hajjud even the person who called the last moments of the Hajjud his name will be on that list so we just want to get on that list of the people who are awake and spend that time in worship to Allah subhanahu wa we want to be amongst his ibadah. Then second benefit is at that time, it comes in hadith, that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that at that time dua is accepted. Dua is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa at that time.
Shafan Hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah has mentioned that there are certain times in which dua are never rejected or always accepted. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that there's Waradan Yakumu mina lady for Yakunullah Ali Sakan Jaalta Layla Sakana that a person rises up at night and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that did I not make the night a rest for you with no musabata and a place of sleeping for you? But still my servant and slave is risen up and is making salah to me. Because this person knows that he has a rub. He knows that the night is a time of rest and sleep for him, but he also knows that he has a rub. And that remembrance that he has a rub is what makes him separate his side from his bed and stand up in salah and dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then what happens? فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ لِمَلَائِكَتِهِ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells to his angels, Unzuru, Look at this servant. Allah Ta'ala tells his angels, Unduru, look at the servants. What is it that this servant wants? The angels say, Ya Rabbi, that O our Rabb, Ridaka, he wants your pleasure. Ridaka, he wants your Ridaka, he wants you to be happy with him. That's why he's standing and praying to you. And he wants your forgiveness. For says, O my angels, be witness. That indeed I have forgiven him for his sins. Allah Akbar. This is the barakah that a person gets at this time of tahajjud. Then Allah Ta'ala issues a call out in the last third of the night. And what happens for you? Who is it who is making dua to me? That I may answer and grant their du'as. Who is there who is asking anything of me? That I may bestow and grant them, fulfill the request that they're asking. And then, that who is there? Who is there who is asking forgiveness of me? So that I may forgive them. This is what we get. So our du'as, our requests, and our istighfar are all accepted by Allah SWT at that time. That Sayyidina Rasulullah said that there is a time at the night that at that time if a person, Muslim, that a person asks Allah SWT khairam min amrid dunya wal akhirah they ask Allah Ta'ala any khair from the matters of their world or the akhirah illa a'tahu iyahu except that Allah Ta'ala gives them precisely what they ask wadhanaka kunna layl and that happens every kunna layla every single night so much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give to a person at the Hajjah. 
So if a person feels that, oh, I need something very badly, whether it's in my deen or whether it's in my dunya, hmm? whether it's for my dunya or for my akhirah, then a person should come to Allah SWT at that time of tahajjud and ask Allah SWT for that. So what we should want is that every day our name should be on that list of numbers. Every day we should make that dua, every night we should make that dua, that su'a, that istighfar, so that the gift of the love for Allah subhanahu can come into our heart. That's another way of Shaykh described it. The hajjud is a gift of love that we give to Allah subhanahu and then Allah ta'ala gifts us back with His love. Because the hajjud is a prayer of the lovers. Faraiz is the prayer of the worshippers, and the hajjud is the prayer of the lovers. That when we show our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala starts showing His love for us. When Allah ta'ala starts showing His love for us, then everything in our dunya and akhirah falls into place. But it's first the ball is in our court that we have to show our love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this time of the hajjud is a time of nur and a time of barakah. So last today's people say, and then we will break for, is it 3.30? Yes. Now that you have earned your appetite, and will give you your lunch. And because you have to eat food at night, you have to eat food at 11 o'clock. Then lunch at 3 o'clock, you have to eat food at 3 o'clock. Is that So we will mention one last hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallam. Ajeeb hadith. That at night when the mu'mineen are sleeping, there are three groups of people, and the angels are sent to all of them. One group of people, Allah Ta'ala sends the angels to them and tells the angels that you keep them asleep. So the angels brush their wings against that person to keep them sleeping. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala doesn't want to see their face at that so we should not think that why am I not able to wake up for tahajjud? We should think that why does Allah subhanahu wa not want to see my face at the time of tahajjud? And you will see in all of the sinful nights that people spend, they say all night, they can never last till fajr. No way. No way any all night party lasted till 6, 7 a.m. Because Allah ta'ala doesn't want to see them at that time. They will even have the niyyah that we will party all night. But 2 a.m., 3 a.m., Allah will start making them sleepy. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., they will wind up. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala doesn't want to see their face at that time. Allah Akbar Kameera. Gee, this I can tell you we've seen in New York City. All those all-night clubs, they stay there all night. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., everybody's gone. No way anybody's staying there till 6, 7, 8. No way. Allah Allah. یہ ایک وقت ہے ان کے مقربین کا عجیب نور کا وقت ہے اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی makes a نظام so one type of person the angels are sent to them to put them to sleep or keep them asleep there's a second type of person Allah Ta'ala says that these are my beloved ones oh angels you should go to them and brush your wing on them and turn them on their side so that they wake up and they pray to me because I love it when they pray to me. Ya Allah. <laughs> that the angels wake them up because Allah Ta'ala loves it when they pray to me. 
जैसे आपको कोई महबूब है आप कहते हैं उनको जरूर बुलाना वो बड़े दिनों से नजर नहीं आया किसी से पैगाम बेचते हैं कि उनको जरूर लेकर आना मामला नहीं चल रहा नहीं समझे थर्ड ग्रुप ऑफ पीपल थर्ड ग्रुप ऑफ पीपल द एंजल्स गो टू जी That these people are very beloved to me. So all my angels go and gently brush your wing over them. If they wake up and turn to me in ibadah, I will love them and grant them. And if they keep sleeping, even then I will love them and grant them. Such people. So Mahandithin felt that those were those ulama who maybe had been up till midnight, 1am, 2am doing work of deen. And normally those times they pray tajr before they sleep. But so beloved to Allah SWT, that if they wake up and present themselves to me, I will bestow upon them. And if they keep sleeping, even then I will bestow upon them. Subhanallah. Allah Akbar Kameena. So this hadith makes it clear. So we want to go from good to better. We want to go from better to best. That is the feeling of a true mu'mineen. May Allah SWT make us the followers of this path of love, this tariqah and muhabbat, this rahe ishq. May He always attach us to the way of the Siddiqeen, the lives of the Siddiqeen. Wa akhir da'wana an alhamdulillahirun bin alameen. Before we let you go for lunch, because there is always that great danger that some of you won't come back after lunch. So I have to give a few concluding comments now. And all of you may have other things to do. You may not, those who came at 11, 11.30 may not be able to stay all the way to 7, 7.30. So in the off chance, that all of you will stay all the way to 7.40. But there will be some of you who may have some legitimate reason to go. So to offer a few concluding comments. Because there is... Inshallah, quite a bit more material. Inshallah, we will cover that in the next two sessions. But this way of Siddiqeen is a niyyah that we should have in our heart. Is a talab that we should have in our heart. Yes, there are some things in Islam that a person may be confused about, may hesitate, may go slowly. اور یہ میدان محبت کی ایک ایسی چیز ہے میدان محبت کے سمل کے نہیں چلتے محبت کے سمندر میں اوپر اوپر نہیں تیرتے ایک ایسی چیز ہے دیٹ یو ہیو ٹو گو ڈیپ ان ٹو اٹ یو ہیو ٹو ڈائیو ان ٹو اٹ یو ہیو ٹو ٹیک دیٹ پلنچ آئی سین ان مائی شارٹ لائف اسپین دیٹ دوز پیپل ہو آر ولنگ ٹو ٹیک دیٹ پلنچ اللہ تعالیٰ انیبل دیم ٹو ڈائیو ڈیپ And those who keep staring at the water, keep testing the water, put their toes in the water. Hmm? Who keep staring at the water, testing the water, putting their toes in the water. Aren't sure if this is the right pool, the right temperature for them. Aren't sure whether they themselves will be able to successfully navigate that water. Because it's not on our ability. Our job is just chalan marna. The rest, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it from there. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it from there. 
This is something that dive deep into taqwa, deep into wudu, deep into dhikr, deep into niyyah, deep into sunnah, deep into sabr, deep into shukr. Dive deeply far away from this entertainment. Like that person who is deeply diving in the sea, he doesn't know what in the world is going on. He doesn't know. He's under, he's submerged. He's under. <laughs> so we have to get submerged into our deen. Udkhulu fissilmi kafa. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran that you should enter deeply into the deen entirely sufficiently. It's another meaning of kafa. Entirely sufficiently. That's why you say kafi. Kafi, wafi, shafi. Yes? When it becomes kafi and wafi, it becomes shafi. So if we're not getting that shifa from the deen, it's because we haven't gone deep enough yet. You're not going to feel the pleasure of being wet when you're on the surface. You're going to feel the pleasure and the feeling of wetness when you go deeper inside. And that's why last night also, for those of you who were there, we mentioned to you in the way of the Siddiqeen. What we're talking to you about today is the teachings of the Siddiqeen. The practices that they tell us to practice. Daily recitation of Qur'an. Daily istighfar. Daily durood salawat. These are the daily practices, daily steps that we take on this path. And then daily we should always be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Kaul bakufi kalbi dhikri kathir. Always remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart at all times. And then the other fifth step we should take every day, that's called Muraqabah Zikri Kalbi. And that, and to let you know what is, maybe I have to entice you to stay. So what's coming afterwards is Muraqabah, and what's coming afterwards is Namaz. How the Siddiqeen have taught us how to fix our Namaz. Quality of Namaz. That's coming in the next session. These two things. Quality of Dhikr, Muraqabah, and quality of Salah and Namaz. So Muraqabah means to sit 5, 10, 15 minutes a day where you try to forget everything in the world and only remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by focusing on His name and making near that your qalb, your heart is remembering His name as if your qalb is saying Allah, Allah, Allah. So these five daily steps are taught by our Siddiqeen and if the person makes these five daily steps then they will want to take a sixth step and that sixth step is called Rabita. Rabita means then to go for follow-up. To go for follow-up with the Shaykh, to learn more about Dhikr, to learn more about these things. And that process of Rabita and those steps and those follow-ups keep continuing like in health. Keep continuing as a person gets more and more spiritually healthy. To those who want to make that niyyah can simply make that niyyah in their heart that they want to follow this way and this path and they should begin these a'mal and listen to these teachings that we mentioned. So before we break for then lunch, we'll make a short zikr kalbi short maraqabah, close your eyes and bow your head. Disconnect yourself from everything in this world and all that it contains. Make niyyah that your heart is making the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you are forgetting everything in this world, that you want to be lost in His remembrance, drowning in His love, that you want to be deep, so deep in the Salat al-Mustaqeem, that you become unaware of all of the paths, so deeply attached to Allah Anamta Alayhim that you're completely unaware of the Ghairul Maghdubi Alayhim Waladdaaleen that you're going so deep, so deep 
that the only thing you remember is Allah and the way you remember Allah is by remembering his name as if your spiritual heart, the heart of your ruh, your qalb is silently, secretly calling his name as if our qalb is remembering Allah, Allah, Allah. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Subhanallah bin Allah Sayyidina Sayyidina Muhammad Allah Ali Sayyidina Muhammad Wa Barak wa Sallam Rabbana Zalamna Anfusana Wa Illam Takfirlana Wa Tarhamna Wa Nakunna Min Al-Khasirin Zalbik Fir Warham Wa Anta Khirullahimeen Ya Allah Yil Bikri May you weak and needy sinning servants and slaves Ya Allah, we are untrue. We have come here to learn how to be true. Ya Allah, join us on this path of the Siddiqeen, the true followers of Nabi Kareem Wasallam, your true lovers, Ya Allah. We also want to be true. Grant us a heart that is true, a tongue that is true. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us always remember you in our heart. Let us always make intention of pleasing you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, if there's anything in our life that cannot be connected to you, let us improve it, Allah. Let us fix it. Ya Allah And if it is beyond redemption Let us leave it for your sake Ya Allah Make us strong That we can leave anything For your pleasure Ya Allah Make us strong That we can do anything For your pleasure Ya Allah And Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah Make it easy for us To always remain in wudu Grant us that level Of dhikr That comes with wudu Grant that protection And shield That comes with wudu Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Make us steadfast In our salah Regular in salah Punctual in salah early in Salah, accept our Salah, and Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us dive deep into the pearls of Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Sunnah, let us learn his Masnoon Duas, let us remember his Masnoon Duas, let us love his Sunnah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we too want to be amongst your beloveds, we too want to be amongst his lovers, we too want to be amongst his beloveds, Ya Allah, put in our heart a love for the Sunnah, a love for the people of Sunnah, a love for the acts of Sunnah, a love for the outward sunnah A love for the inward sunnah Ya Rabbi Kareem Make the sunnah the most beloved thing to us In all the universe And all that it contains Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Make us people who ittiba' of that sunnah Make us hamil of that sunnah Grant us a zad for the batin sunnah Ya Allah make us our outward beautiful With the outward sunnah And make our inner beautiful With the inward sunnah And Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem We always want to be grateful to you. We always want to be thankful to you. And for each and every uncountable bounty and blessing that you have given us, Ya we eternally grateful to you. We ask your forgiveness for our lack of shukr. We ask for your forgiveness for our neglect of shukr. Make us amongst the shakirin and Ya make us amongst the sabirin. Ya we are always happy with you. Whatever your decree is, whatever your command is, we will always be happy with you. But Ya we are weak, Ya Allah, we ask that you grant us ease and take us out from difficulty. Grant us hidayah, protect us from being misguided. Ya Allah, let us follow the teachings of guidance. Let us be guided by this hidayah. Ya Allah, 
permeate our heart with this hidayah in Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem and make us protect us from the sins of the night protect us from the entertainment of the night protect us from the ghafla of the night Ya Allah grant us the sukoon of the night grant us the itminan of the night and Ya Allah accept us for the munajat of the layl accept us for the ibadah of layl accept us for the barakah of layl accept us for the nur of suhoor Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah let us follow the path of the siddiqeen Ya Rabb Ya Arhamar Rahimeen Rabbana Takamal Minna Innaka Anta Samir Aleem Utubu Alayna Innaka Anta Tawabur Raheem Wa Sallallahu Ta'ala Ala Habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahbihi Ajma'een Bi Rahmatika Ya Arhamar Rahimeen Amen